Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey there, Solar Warrior. Welcome to another Tactical Tuesday. These are short form conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your clean energy business or career. I hope that you've had a fabulous Independence Day if you're in the USA, and well, just a great weekend for the rest of you in the world. These Tactical Tuesdays have tended to get a little long-winded, so I thought I'd bring back one of the shortest but most practical ones that we've done, and it's from exactly one year ago. Jacqueline D'Souza, president of Apparent Inc., is here to help clarify what exactly is reactive power and how does it relate to real power. For those of us non-technical folks out there, I hope that this will help you, as it did me, discern the difference, at least enough to participate in a conversation. You can find more Tactical Tuesdays just like this over at mysuncast.com or right there in Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever podcast player you are using. Just hit subscribe and keep scrolling down. We've got nearly 400 podcast episodes. And also, if you jump over to the show notes for this specific episode, I've got a really fun link to an article that breaks down exactly how a pint of beer is used as an example for reactive, real, and apparent power. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune in to another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Jacqueline, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because a lot of us who are non-scientists sort of fake our way through the dialogue when we get into more deep electrical engineering discussions around how power systems work, even how grids work. And I think that this is part of the core fundamental knowledge that folks can add to their toolkit to be able to have a better dialogue with facilities managers, with fund managers, even with their family around the dinner table for Thanksgiving, if they want to impress (laughs) someone about how they know what's going on with the grid, right? So one of the underlying things that I've always wondered about is this notion of reactive power. And I know that there's an interplay here with reactive and real power. And as a non-engineer, I'm not sure I could define it adequately. So I wanted to have you on to help us unpack this because it's part and parcel to the work that you guys do at Apparent. So let's start with the the sort of core question. What is reactive power? Okay. How much time do we have? Because this, <laughs> this is one of those questions that engages a variety of different types of engineers and scientists. When you think about energy, energy is not one type of a wave. It's composed of multiple harmonics and voltages and frequency that enable you to do work. So energy is at a very, very high level composed of what's called real power that does work, reactive power that supports the sine wave, the energy wave, 
And the combination of both of those is considered apparent power. So what reactive power does is it supports the harmonics and the frequencies of the energy wave that actually moves things, transmission, turns lights on, provides heat. All of that needs to be supported in some fashion. So you have reactive power that is needed when you turn a motor on and that is needed in order to keep that motor moving in the direction that you want it to move. Without reactive power, you have just real power and that dissipates, that does not allow your motor to operate, your engines to operate, your lights to operate. So the combination of both of those types of energy are absolutely needed in an alternating current in order to operate any energy system today. And today, most electronics use an alternating current system. So you are bound to require reactive power in some form in order to operate electronics, whether it's your flat screen TV, your lighting today, as well as your cars. So in terms of reactive power. Reactive power is produced by utilities. It's produced by generation. And it's needed in order to transmit real power along transmission lines. So when you think of reactive power, it's not just something that you get locally at your home. It's something that's produced from generation and then transmitted over these long transmission lines to a consumer. The problem with that is that reactive power dissipates faster than real power does. So you need to have substations and capacitors and systems along transmission lines in order to support the delivery of reactive power. What this does is you're constantly changing the waveform of energy that is being transmitted. And you're constantly in need of being able to measure and correct that waveform so that you get as close to a perfect waveform to be as efficient as possible. So let's take a step back. When you have a perfect waveform, you've got what you normally see as energy waveforms, right? They're a wave that looks like it is smooth. It doesn't have any spiky parts to it. And it operates really in four quadrants, not just in one quadrant. So you can have a waveform that is highly capacitance. So when you're generating energy and you're delivering it, this is what the utility grid actually is. So this is generation, long wires, substation to the consumer. And I know that people have seen it before, but actually starting with that and then saying, but what is being transmitted? Real reactive and apparent power. Well, you know, how is that transmitted or what does that mean? And then breaking it down. So it would take you directly into why it's important to produce reactive power locally because you don't want to produce it from far generation. It's used locally and it dissipates so much faster that you need to produce it locally. So that's why people are looking for a spinning generator behind the meter. That's why it's important to have all components of energy being produced behind the meter and the efficiencies that are involved in that. The big thing for utilities today on the distribution grid is 
the infrastructure spending that is going on on low voltage and distribution is through the roof because they're getting false positives on Dura aggregation. And that's causing a huge problem with voltage regulation and transformers. So I'm not even going into any of that kind of stuff. We're just dealing with what a parent does in terms of producing reactive power and how that benefits consumers. Well, if you didn't know, now you know. I hope that you feel smarter or at least more informed, Solar Warrior. If you'd like more shorter episodes like this, why don't you just text me at 310-634-1780 and let me know what specifically you'd like for me to cover. That's also the best way for me to let you know where I'll be traveling in the world as we begin to travel again, like New Orleans in September. Are you headed to North America Smart Energy Week? Shoot me a message if you are. I'd love to meet up with you there. I do my best to keep up with those texts, so bear with me as I get back to you. That number again is 310-634-1780. If you're eager to keep learning, well, I've posted a fun link to an excellent article that further explains reactive power in terms uh, you're sure to appreciate using beer as a model. That's over on the blog at mysuncast.com. Just click over the show notes tab. I hope that you'll tune in again for more tactical advice and practical insights to help you along your clean energy journey. We're here every Tuesday and Thursday. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.